It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, right, boy. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Senator Tommy Tuberville will be coming up shortly uh, in about 15 minutes. Be able to take some calls this hour, 1-866-408-7669. This is going to be a historic week. We know the President of the United States is uh, the former President of the United States who wants to be the future President of the United States, leading in all the polls, is going to be indicted in 24 hours, roughly. He's going to be landing uh, in New York today. So we'll see where this goes. We're also going to be following other stories, including this news about the Chinese spy balloon. As we projected, as many people have told us, despite what the administration said, it was a sophisticated spy balloon that spied right across our country. So once again, this administration lied. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. This is China changing their policy. They have ratcheted up, increasing their aggression. And you're right. I think everybody's expecting after the meeting between President Tsai of Taiwan and Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy this week, we'll see additional aggression and intimidation from the Chinese against Taiwan this week. Uh, yeah, that is uh, true, and he's the head of the Reagan Center out in California, Roger Zakheim. While we were distracted and are distracted with the Trump China uh, drama, China is massively and moving, moving to displace us as our power and influence on every continent, including our own. What they are doing and what the Taiwan president's visit with Speaker McCarthy will do to U.S.-China relations. Number two. For every minute, every day that Republicans are focused on Trump and what's happening with these charges, they're not talking about Joe Biden. Do they want to be able to focus there? And as long as Trump is in the picture, it's so hard for them to move in that direction. Well, that is true. How does the Trump indictment and perhaps three more straight days, uh, three more straight uh, cases ahead affect the 2024 race? So far, Trump has a surge in donors, dominates the news cycle and the polls. But how long can that last? We're going to look at the expanding field and plummeting numbers of the current president, whose party clearly does not want him to run again. Number one. It's actually Bragg. He's the one that has essentially weighed into the federal arena. And the real danger of this thing over the long term isn't so much narrowed to Trump. It's that now we have thousands of DAs around the country. Now that the Rubicon has been crossed, can find some state law they want to pursue the person on it. William Barr, uh, just just laying out the case as we know it, as we wait for details tomorrow. Expect a wild 24 hours as the 45th president is arraigned in downtown New York. And most importantly, we'll find out the charges that have threatened to divide the country and the Republican Party like we have not seen in over a century. We have the details and we got projections in conjecture. Like, for example, from Cy Vance, who decided not to prosecute this case, left. The new guy comes in. Alvin Bragg says, I don't see anything here. And then they decide, let's bring Michael Cohen back for another four times, 22 overall, and see if we can find something somehow. Now, what could be in this indictment? And that really is the question. All the other stuff about mugshots and fingerprinting and entrances and exits and planes and speeches. Will there be a gag order after? 
I think it would be the best thing for the former president. Because if he knows he's going to face jail, if he speaks about it, he'll speak about the things that affect our country. He'll make him a better candidate. And I just think that it's probably better for his legal team, too. You want to know the case in front of you. You don't want to complicate it by things your client says, no matter how big, famous, small, or what the charges are. That's conventional wisdom. So um, the president of the United States is upset about the judge. Why wouldn't he be? This guy, Juan Merchant, who also oversaw the Trump organization cake uh, case. Brought by A.G. Tish James. They've got him fined. And they also got his CFO in jail at Rikers Island for 100 days. 75 years old, Rikers Island. You could go mug an old lady, knock off a liquor store. You don't get Rikers Island, but this does. But don't worry about it. So what could be in the indictment? We're going to face at least one felony charge of falsifying business records. Okay. So... Keep in mind, that would never existed. The investigation never would have happened had the famous host of The Apprentice not run for president. Uh, they also, if they see an attempt to defraud a bank, who, by the way, everybody got paid back. There's no bank that's upset and say they've been defrauded. It is A.G. James, like Alvin Bragg, who ran on saying, I'm going to get convict Donald Trump. They're going to bring up the Karen McDougal case, uh, the pay, the, the what do they call capture and kill story of the president uh, reportedly had a relationship with her. Okay, she wanted to tell her story. The Inquirer paid for it and didn't use it. Had a gag order and had a uh, non-disclosure agreement with it, NDA. So the question is, what are the charges? So the best person to talk to perhaps is the guy that decided not to charge the case, Cyrus Vance Jr. He was on Meet the Press yesterday, cut eight. Why didn't you charge the hush money case? Why didn't you ever charge it in 2018, 2019, 2020? Uh, well, Chuck, I don't want to get into the deliberations that might be covered by grand jury material, but it's, uh, but uh, as I believe you know, uh, I was asked by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District to stand down uh, on our investigation, which had commenced involving the Trump Organization. And as, you know, as, as someone who respects that office a great deal and, and believing that they may have perhaps the best laws uh, to investigate, I did so. Uh, and I was somewhat surprised after uh, Mr. Cohen pleaded guilty uh, that the federal government did not proceed on uh, on the areas in which it asked me to stand down. Right. They didn't because there was nothing there in the Southern District of New York who hates Donald Trump. More from Cy Vance, cut nine. For those who think this is about politics, I think it's important to remind folks that the review of uh, the President's objections to our seeking his tax and other financial records were reviewed by two separate district courts, two separate courts of appeal, and twice by the United States Supreme Court, all of whom found no evidence that politics was motivating our actions. What do you think? Why would you need to see the president's taxes? What was so expo- so pending that we had to get to the bottom of it? This is a state, this is a city whose crime has risen 22 percent. That's over the last... Three years, it's probably more than that from year to year. From 2018 to 2020, crime began to percolate. During and after, the pandemic is through the roof. We finally got rid of one terrible mayor, and we got another mayor with a dispirited, undermanned police force. You have 40,000 illegal immigrants in our country staying in luxury hotels. They were feeding clothing and trying to to try to wrangle. 
You think that this is the number one issue? You don't see politics? They all see politics. What they see in the case is, well, what does the state really need to see the taxes? They deliberate it out. Over the course of years, they get them, and then they go find them a million dollars, which for you and I is like a dollar eighty. So to me, this is unbelievable that we're at this place. And it's all Michael Cohen. Do you know Michael Cohen over the weekend was also lying? He was convicted of ta- uh, of tax uh, evasion. Over the weekend, he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, I didn't really, I didn't do it. You didn't do it. You admitted to it. Oh, well, that was a Friday afternoon, and I was, you'll find out I, I didn't really do tax invasion. It's incredible. Here's Dan Crenshaw. Cut 12. You don't have to be a lawyer to look at this case and think it's, um, it's, it's on pretty weak grounds. I mean, look, even, when you even have the Washington Post editorial board uh, criticizing this prosecutor, looking at this and saying, I, you know, you need to be careful with how you move forward because this is just very clearly a very weak case. Um, you know, whatever evidence they might have, you're still talking about uh, very low-level business fraud charges. So you know, I think people need to ask themselves a fundamental question. Uh, if this were anyone but Trump, would this DA even take up this case? I mean, this DA has a, has a habit of not taking up cases that are pretty serious, like violent crime and prostitution rings, things like that. But he chooses to take up this one. So it, it feels obvious to a lot of us that it's politically motivated, it's personally motivated. And I think yeah. that's why you're seeing well, those kind of statements. And just to be clear, we don't know what the charges are, and I'm not sure that's accurate to say that he's not bringing up charges against people for, for violent crime. He's not. Except for over the weekend, I'll just give you, I don't want to take too much time away from Senator Tuberville, but over the weekend, there's a parking garage attendant, right? Minimum wage guy, probably. The guy comes out of a gun and goes to get robbed. He pulls out a gun. He gets shot and he shoots back. And they put this guy in the hospital with handcuffs. They were about to prosecute him. If it wasn't for the New York Post, in my view, making this public, for listening to the outrage of the average person and and be able to, to just compare this to Donald Trump. You have a guy shooting a robber, and you put this guy in cuffs. Then they decided to uncuff him when Bragg decided, I will not prosecute him. The same way he's going after the bodega owner for protecting himself from a would-be robber who had a gun. When he goes and shoots back, that's the problem. So this is, it is life turned upside down. I'm not saying Donald Trump's playing a perfect game. But there's a lot of people not playing a perfect game that no one had a problem with until they were politically on the other side. And if you don't think other cases are coming up, you don't think other prosecutors are going to find things on the Biden family who's got a lot to uncover, uh, you are mistaken. And the thing is about President Trump, the more you talk about Trump and not about Biden, his cratering economy, our lack of prestige, no plan of pushing back about Chinese influence in Africa, South America, as well as the Caribbean. Uh, we see what they're doing in the Middle East. On a daily basis, not answering back when we get uh, Iranian drones taking shots at our men in Syria. With things going wrong like this, everyone rather focus on Donald Trump in a ridiculous case in downtown Manhattan. But I want to take your view, get your view. You can always write me, BrianKillMe.com if you're at work, or you go to, or, or you call 1-866-408-7669. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're also going to bring up the breaking news on the Chinese spy balloon. They got a lot more. Then this administration led us to led us to believe again more dishonesty from Admiral Kirby. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hold on senior military nominations. Senators have regularly worked together to confirm routine military nominees quickly, ensuring no lapses in the work of our military. But right now, 160, including five three-star generals, are on hold because the senior senator from Alabama is holding them up because he can't get his way on blocking 160,000 women within the military from receiving health care. Blocking military choices is unprecedented. Unprecedented. Hasn't happened before. And that is uh, Senator Chuck Schumer blasting Senator Tommy Tuberville. So let's get the senator's uh, take on this. Senator, do you you agree with the characterization of Senator Schumer? Well, number one, I'm glad he knows my name, Brian. I've been here two and a half years and uh, yet to even talk to the guy. But, uh, you know, that's to me, that's not leadership. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is not about abortion, Brian. This is about the rule of law. This is about doing things the right way. And we tried to do it the right way. I've tried to get them to talk to me, with Secretary of Defense, and uh, people putting this new policy together. And what, is the policy? Congress. what is the policy? Well the, well, the policy for the last many years in the military is there's abortion because of rape, incest, and, and uh, health of the mom. And we've had abortions for years. But they wanted to change it to where abortion at any time, also their dependents, pay for travel anywhere they wanted to have it done. And so they're changing the policy when that's what we do. They're not elected officials. We are. And so six months ago, I told them, I said, listen, don't do this. Uh, you know, if you do, I'm going to put a hold on your nominations. you got to do it the right way. And it's it's all about doing the proper Going through the proper channels, Brian, and they didn't do it, but they want to. They want to change our country the way they want it, and they don't want to go through the proper channels and do things right. So I got a hold on. I'll tell you what. Uh, the other thing that they should worry about just their ranks. Their recruiting is way off. You, you write in your uh, column in the uh, in the Wall Street Journal, fifteen thousand. Uh, we're down fifteen thousand Army recruits from last year alone. That doesn't count the more than eight thousand service members uh, discharged because of the stupid Biden uh, va- vaccine policy. So we're down in every branch except, I believe, the Marines significantly. Well, I told them last week in a hearing. You know, when they challenged me on this, I said we need to. You know, we've got a lot of generals. Okay, uh, we've got more generals. We're very top heavy, and. You need to be worried about recruiting, you know, the people that actually are going to fight for our country, not the people that's going to give the orders. And like you said, we're way behind. And, and uh, you know, it's all these woke policies that they put through the military that uh, these young men and women have to go through and listen to and, and uh, be educated on uh, instead of learning how to fight and, and be, be, the, be the people that's going to protect our national security. So over the weekend, I was uh, with one parent, and they said, well, my son wanted to make a career of the Army, but he's leaving after four years. And I said, why? He goes, they don't want him to stay. He's like a, a, like a tough guy that wanted to have that, uh, that Army attitude, and they don't want it. Uh, I, and I go, what do you mean? He goes, just ask anybody in the military right now. They don't want that tough guy attitude. They, they, want, they want a different 
type of uh, fighter. I guess one that's going to sit in a, on a on a whiteboard, and I don't know what what we want in terms of our military, but we have China blitzing our border in our hemisphere, taking over Africa, dominating the Middle East, Iran rocketing our bases in Syria. We do nothing. China now. Uh, it turns out that surveillance balloon was a sophisticated multi-million dollar surveillance balloon that was sending real-time intelligence while it transfixed the country. So they lied to us about that, too. Well, sure they did. You know, now the countries are laughing at us right now. We're the joke of, of the world in our military, not the people that's in it right now, but the, the people that's trying to control it, as you said, uh, do everything they possibly can to make a meeker and milder military. We can't do it, and we live in the most dangerous time in you and my lifetime, Brian. And uh, there's there's fires all over the world, and uh, you know it's just absolutely amazing to me that they got their sights set on the wrong things in this country. Uh, not just the military, but everything else. Uh, there are cultures changing, and fine, I understand how things change. Uh, you know, it's changed since you and I have been been alive. We've seen things change for the better, and some things we'd like to not change. But this is purpose. This is all on all all uh, contrived to take down the best military that's ever been and be run the way that they want to run it and just change the atmosphere, change the culture, change the things that they do because it's just something that, that they feel like they can control without, without a vote. We're not going to do it. So they uh, they kidnap, uh, they just went and arrested a Wall Street Journal reporter uh, and they don't give an explanation, they don't give us access to them and we give a stern uh, we give a stern statement. Here's what Mark Short said we should do. Cut 25. I feel like I applaud the Biden administration for their stand with the Ukrainian people. But the reality is the Biden administration has been weak from day one. They've emboldened Russia. They started the very first issue they did was to approve Nord Stream 2. I think that Vladimir Putin saw the surrender and withdrawal in Afghanistan. It emboldened him. And as you said, I'm glad we got Brittany Griner back. But the exchange for a known terrorist, I think, has only encouraged Putin to do this more. And this is not something that's unique to, to him. And, that, and that's why this 31-year-old Moscow reporter out of the Wall Street Journal was just taken and arrested because they know they can swap him for somebody. <laughs> yep. That's, uh, you know, we created this monster. You know, you can't do that. And, you know, it's just it's unfortunate that we make political decisions instead of decisions for our country. Uh, to keep it strong. But, you know, I see that every day uh, in the Senate and in Congress. Uh, you know, decisions are made not for the right reasons, but for reason to make it politicized. Well, keep fighting, Senator. And we know the president of the United States is going to be in downtown New York. He's got three other cases <laughs> facing him. And I know uh, you're very loyal to him. Senator Tommy yeah. Tuberville, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. I talked to him yesterday. He's fired up. Yep, I, can, I know he is. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I want to see how fired up you are. Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. So glad you're here. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. But when you combine the credibility issues with the lack of legal theory here, I mean, basically Bragg's legal theory is 
when a person pays hush money to prevent his wife, his business associates, his voters from knowing about an adulterous affair, he has to then list specifically on his public corporate forms the fact that he paid the money to prevent the fact of adulterous relations to come out. Never in the history of America has anybody ever paying for an NDA done that, and never in the history of America has anybody ever been indicted for not doing that. Right. I don't think any right-thinking person will tell you that this indictment would have occurred but for the fact that the man's name is Donald Trump. Not that he's a past president, but that he is a potentially future president running against the head of the party. And by the way, that's Alan Dershowitz, who said he voted for Joe Biden last time and would vote for the Democratic candidate again. Probably wouldn't vote for him. So uh, and Joe, evidently, the president, former president, called him up and said, I know you vote for me, uh, but he doesn't believe. So that's just a guy, a defense attorney who's who's is given his perspective. So just some of the people uh, writing me right now said this. This is from John, uh, John Hart. He said, I think Trump should have his own paid video crews to capture everything possible on Tuesday. Remember what the government did to Michael Flynn. They did it again to Mar-a-Lago and other uh, Trump-related arrests, smears. Uh, If video crews could be there, used against him, he should have it free. Well, I know one thing, that if they do publish the mugshot, and I didn't know this. I'm not a big crime reporter. It's not typical to publish mugshots in New York. But if they do it. Trump says he'll, you know, he'll put it on everything he wants. I just think, though, obviously he's trying to make the best of a bad situation. But you have to see the Washington Post story on top of that. The Washington Post story is essentially Jack Smith, the prosecutor investigator, assigned by the the, the uh, AG, is doing an investigation on January 6th as well as the Mar-a-Lago documents. He's trying to prove obstruction. And in it, they give detail of the valet who has now spoken the uh, the – lawyer that's been forced to testify against his own client, President Trump, and others that want to prove that the president went out of his way to move documents and not be transparent with his own lawyers and with investigators. Uh, So that, to me, is an effort to say it doesn't end in New York, Mar-a-Lago's bigger, and it's separate from Joe Biden because Joe Biden said, check all my residences. There needs to be pushback. I had Jim Trusty on today. He said, don't believe everything you read to me. The leaks to the Washington Post is the lead story at the same day, the day before the indictment in New York City. They want to show what this guy can't be elected, shouldn't be elected. Uh, they're affecting an election. Do I think president should have left with the documents? Absolutely not. Do I think when they showed up and said, take them all, he should have said, take them all? Yes. But that's President Trump. I also couldn't win the presidency either. I also am not a multimillionaire as well. I also don't own resorts and golf courses. So... I'm not him. It seems to me I would try to look to play the perfect game and not open myself up. Would I have had a rally on January 6th? No. But do I think that that should be the number one story in the country when all these other things? Do you know this other story in the Washington Post today should be the number one story? A Chinese spy balloon gathered intelligence from sensitive U.S. sites while we tracked it and didn't shoot it down. It was doing figure eights. Picking up intelligence over our military bases, and we didn't shoot it down. We found out on Friday that our Secretary of Defense didn't didn't comment or wasn't didn't do anything for five days while it was tra- crossing our country. They told him about it when he was in Hawaii. They watched it cross through Canada. It comes to the U.S. and our Secretary of Defense did nothing. That to me is a bigger story. But they want to go get Trump, and it's smothering all other news. Phil is in Midland, Texas. Hey, Phil. Hey, Brian. 
You just made a comment about January 6th. Why shouldn't the president have had that rally? He told them to go peacefully protest. He gave notice to Pelosi and the mayor of D.C. that you need to have more security there. I, that's not an issue. I don't know why you're making an issue out of January 6th. All right. Do you think it would be a good idea to send 5,000, 10,000 people to the Capitol with nothing but bike racks in front of it? What? Do you think but it's that, a good idea right to have them say, uh, to put Mike Pence? Do you think it was a good idea? That's a good idea to use time. And he said patriotically and peacefully, absolutely, which made the January 6th investigation folly. They never put the other side of the story. They never brought up, Phil, what you brought up. They should have had proper security. You're 100% right. They should have brought up the fact is that uh, that he did say peacefully and patriotically. But when you saw what Rudy Giuliani said, getting everybody fired up, it's just a dumb, it's a dumb move. And Phil, the other thing, let me just finish. The other thing is, he came out and made wild statements about what would, would happen in 2020, but he couldn't back it up with any legitimate lawyer. And you can't go around and just go make uh, haphazard statements with, uh, with attorneys that are making it up and then say that's the reason why we should overturn an election. What you do is an investigation in that time. You say it's not you. What it would yield, it yields. And then you put it through the courts. And if the courts fail, you move on. And if he did that, not one person would be running against him. There'd be no investigations outside the one in New York. And he'd be at 70 percent approval rating because all of his policies are better than Joe Biden's. Every one of them. Every one of them. The Middle East. Afghanistan. Ukraine never would have been invaded. I think there's a strong argument for that. Do you think China would have been moving on us like they would? Do you think Iran would be taking shots at us through their drone after we already took out Soleimani? There's nothing. There's nothing about Trump's policies that would have been better today, including the economy and inflation. But January 6th is not a plus, and you should never open up a rally with January 6th choir. Uh, Ed and the, but I appreciate, you know, the frustration because they overdid it. The January 6th committee is a joke. The fact that every other news organization leads as if January 6th is the most important thing is frustrating, Phil. I get it. I'm frustrated with it, too. But what you try to do is try to play the perfect game and try to get the presidency back and save the country. Ed uh, is in K, uh, is listening in Las Vegas, KDWN. Hey, Ed. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, OPEC's cutting production, which will cause more yep. of our consumer prices, agricultural goods to go up, and it'll help Putin. Meanwhile, Biden's declared a huge swath of Nevada off limits to any kind of development, including geothermal wind, lithium mining, uh, solar, recreation, housing. And then there's also a, a type of balloon that uh, can be developed. There might be out there. It's called a thermoplan. And it's like a balloon, but it's a delta wing shape, and it can be steered more than just a spherical balloon. So, I mean, that technology has to be countered. We can't spend a quarter of a million dollars to shoot down a balloon. We need some sort of hunter-killer drone to, to shoot these balloons down. And uh, I think the guys like Phil, I mean, I'm concerned about inflation. I'm concerned about China. I'm concerned about uh, things like that. I mean, getting mired in all this uh, January 6th and this. And exactly. And we got such serious, even this case in downtown New York City. It's a joke. It's not important to America. They should never prosecute the case ever. 
Uh, we see these payments go on with all these rich celebrities and and multimillionaires all the time, whether they're true or false. It pays to shut up the negative stories. I'll give you an example. Where did the Tiger Woods story go? Yeah. He has a, where did the Tiger Woods story go about how he treated her, locked her out of the house? Like, all of a sudden, they just stopped. Do you really yeah. think that there wasn't some type of fi- financial thing? Doesn't mean Tiger's guilty, but the downside to the Tiger story staying in the news is so great that he settled it. And I don't know who his attorney was, but I'm pretty sure we're not going to raid Tiger Woods' attorney's office to find out how much he paid and what checkbook he used. But to your point, you're a very bright guy, Ed, clearly. I'm going to build on what you said. Joe Manchin is also outraged about what you did. He says on the Inflation Reduction Act, he was guaranteed that they were going to be able to use elements rare earth here to start bringing battery technology back to push for cleaner energy. Instead, the administration's changing the rules, and we're going back to buying the rare earth from China. Listen to this. Cut 42. As far as uh, the reliance that we have on China that builds the battery, has 80% market uh, control and shares, it's ridiculous for us to move rapidly into a transportation mode that we do not have the ability to supply ourselves or with reliable supply chains. I'm old enough to remember waiting in line in 1974 to buy gas to go to work. I don't want to wait in line to get a battery from China. That's all. So in the Inflation Reduction Act, thanks for the call, it said you got you got to bring all this manufacturing back, and they can't do it. It's not up to it. So you know what they're doing? They're changing the rules. In legislation that's already been written, I didn't think that was allowed. I thought you got to resubmit it. It's got to go through committee again. But Joe Manchin can't be this naive. It's not an Inflation Reduction Act. The permitting was not even in there that he wanted that would enable permitting for windmills as well as um, drilling sites. It's not even in there. And when he goes to do it, Democrats don't want to do it. So he's been totally left out to dry. If there's ever a reason to leave the Democratic Party, Joe Manchin, you need no other reason. Matt, listen on WTKF over in North Carolina. Hey, Matt. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Great. Um, this thing with the Democrats, I told P, who's a great call screener, the, this thing with Democrats doing anything, legal or illegal, to keep Trump from running again is ridiculous. Case in point, the Mueller investigation, $40 million of wasted taxpayer money. What's your opinion? Oh, absolutely. And the person who prompted it with the dossier was Hillary Clinton, who's paid for it. And she got fined $110,000. $110,000. So that was considered some type of campaign finance violation that she never admitted to. It was under the radar. No one even talked about it. It prompted not only that, it killed U.S.-Russia relations. Putin's an evil guy. He's our modern-day Stalin. I get it. I'm not ever going to defend him. I think he's evil. He showed his signs during the Trump during the Bush administration. But he, they poisoned U.S.-Russia relations worse than they had to be because they made up some incident that they infiltrated our elections and actually gave it to Trump. Spent two and a half years in multi-million dollars, maybe a billion or two, investigating him, and there's nothing there. And nobody yeah. says anything? Yeah. I did. Thank you. Appreciate it. one 866 I'll come back. We have so much more to talk about, too, including on another note. And I'll come back with this. And thanks for the call. I thought Eric Schmidt of uh, Google just underscored with Tristan Harris and with Elon Musk 
and some of the smartest people in the country and the world have said, the AI that we're on the precipice of getting, the chatbot, uh, GBT, and others, the one that Microsoft has, now they got rivals right there. I'm sure they're going to get better and bigger real quick. It's, it's accelerating things so great, and society's going to be so affected, they're calling for an overall pause. I mean, we have to, we have to for those of us civilians who don't have the technological know-how or innovation that these men and women have that are pointing this out, we should take note. But he spoke over the weekend. I'm going to play some of that because I think it's really important. Uh, and we'll take your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. Honest commentary. Unique opinions. No agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Well, historically, there have been a couple of moments uh, after the nuclear age, after the uh, recombinant DNA age, uh, the scientists and the political leaders came together with appropriate restrictions. This is the time for the people in my industry, the government, economists, philosophers, to understand this. What happened with social media is we, including myself, just offered social media because we had a simple model of how humans would use social media. But instead, look at how social media was used to interfere in elections, to cause harm. People have died over social media. No one meant that as the goal, and yet it happened. How do we prevent that with this technology? Eric Schmidt of Google, executive innovator. He's all over this AI stuff, and and he just says, how do we stop it? And I thought that was very honest for him to say, in social media, we thought it's great. Let's just communicate. We see the ramifications of social media. We see what's happening right now. Uh, with the big debate about parents and how it's changed the lives and the iPhone has revolutionized the country. And even though the information's better and, you know, famously they say there's more technology in our iPhone than the technology we used to land on the moon years ago. So they're saying, let's get ahead of it. Let's think this through. Let's put guardrails up. It's just it's never been done like that before. We've never, ever had innovation. We never saw innovation and said, can we slow down that I know of? It's scary. Why? Because we don't know what's real or not. We're seeing Donald Trump being arrested in these pictures and a scene in the middle of a street where he's being haunted or, or being cuffed. And we know it, it didn't happen. We see Joe Biden at the end of a, an airport stairs almost falling down. And it never happened. It's totally fictitious. They could take our voices and you could call you so you could call around and you could order things in your voice and know everything about that person's background. If you give it to AI and they could what's real. How do you know who you're talking to? Relationships, business opportunities. Who's coming up with your press releases? Who's coming up with your books? Who's writing your music? Should we find out before we just let it go? I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated that I'm not sitting here telling smart people, the smartest innovators and engineers, I think there's a problem. I'm fascinated by the fact that the people who came up with it knows they can make more money if they just get it out there and are saying we need to pull back on this. But it's going to be tough. Listen to what Eric Schmidt said. Uh, uh, he went on a little bit further. Cut 33. ChatGPT hit 100 million users in two months. It took Gmail five years to do the same thing. The diffusion of this technology is so fast, I can't even keep up, and it's all I do. All right. If you could argue that this is a bigger story than anything Trump downtown, uh, it's certainly China and what's going on in the threat. Uh, let's go out to Rhonda listening on Fox, listening and watching on Fox Nation in Oregon. Hey, Rhonda. 
Hello, how are you? Great. So, um, I have a couple things. One, this Trump thing, I'm telling you they're doing something else. There's something they don't want us to see. And the other You mean thing in I the in the indictment is something that we're not expecting? I, no, no, I think there's something going on and I think a lot of it is they don't want the spotlight on Biden and that regime. It's certainly and the a other result. Thing I, yeah. The other thing I don't understand is this gun control. Every time there's something, it's guns, 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 when really it's humanity. It's people. And I really wish they'd quit saying guns and say people. You know what I'm saying? With the shooting, absolutely. Just the Democrats just want to talk about assault weapons when most of these uh, school shootings happen with handguns. And the fact is that uh, that's transgender female uh, had a huge uh, psychological problems, and that should have been brought up. Robert, listen to WRSC in Pennsylvania. Robert. Yes. Real quick. Hello, how are you doing? What's on your mind? Good, good, good. Hey, I just had a question to ask everybody, especially you. Um, I know, like, Pence has been on the news, and he made comment which, of course, he was the vice president for Donald Trump when he was president. But he even made the comment in law that. Uh, All right, Robert, thanks for the call. Uh, you got to get to the point. I can't really hit it. There was a story about Mike Pence out today. Evidently, they were aggravated with the Haley camp. They say that she's taking too much heat away from him. They were jealous of her positive news. That, according to Politico, that's for the second and third spot, third and fourth. Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Britt Hume is standing by. Andy McCarthy provides some legal advice at the bottom of the hour. A lot of moving parts. We do. Uh, we are following a different story than we were an hour ago, and that is the revelation that that Chinese spy balloon was sending back real-time intelligence, doing figure eights over military bases while we watched and sometimes obstructed, and then shot it down after it went across the entire country through sensitive areas and shot it off in the ocean. Now, that on the heels of the fact that it took five days for Secretary of Defense Austin to even acknowledge that this was happening. That according to the general in charge, as it went through Hawaii, down through Canada, and then across our country. That is insane. And so much more other things to discuss, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is China changing their policy. They have ratcheted up, increasing their aggression. And you're right. I think everybody's expecting after the meeting between President Tsai of Taiwan and Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy this week, we'll see additional aggression and intimidation from the Chinese against Taiwan this week. Reagan Library's Roger Zakheim. While we were distracted with the Trump drama, China is doing a massive movement to displace our power and prestige and influence on almost every continent, including our own. What they are doing and what the Taiwan's president's visit with Speaker McCarthy will do here in California to U.S.-China relations. 
Number two. For every minute, every day that Republicans are focused on Trump and what's happening with these charges, they're not talking about Joe Biden. Do they want to be able to focus there? And as long as Trump is in the picture, it's so hard for them to move in that direction. Julie Pace of the AP. How does the Trump uh, indictment and perhaps three more straight uh, uh, cases uh, for him in the 2024 race. How does it affect it all? So far, Trump as a surge in donors dominates the news cycle and polls. But how long can that last? We'll discuss it. Number one. It's actually Bragg. He's the one that has essentially weighed into the federal arena. And the real danger of this thing over the long term isn't so much narrowed to Trump. It's that now we have thousands of DAs around the country. Now that the Rubicon has been crossed, can find some state law they want to pursue the person on it. Bill Barr and Fox News Sunday expect a wild 24 hours as the 45th president is arraigned in downtown New York. And more importantly, we will find out the charges that have been threatened to divide the country and the Republican Party like we have not seen in about a century plus. Let's bring in Britt Hume. Britt, uh, there's a lot we don't know about the indictment, but the significance can't be overstated. Uh, do you agree? No, I don't really agree. I think, you know, what will happen here is that the the event tomorrow will happen. There'll be a lot more said than seen, um, and then it will be over for the time being. And there'll be a lo- there'll be a long period of of uh, pretrial preparation and motions made, and it'll you know it'll just crawl along, and it'll fade to some extent from the headlines. And um, we'll be back to looking for for other news. Um, but do you agree with Bill think- Barr said that this is just the what? beginning? That this is going to be keep happening now, whether it's well, Joe Biden. That will probably depend on, to some extent, on how it turns out. Um, you know, and I understand his concern that you know once you start wheeling these uh, miscellaneous um, state charges out as as a way to get at prominent public figures, um, that yeah, you know, you could have a circus of this sort of thing. But I just think it's 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 time to wait and see what the indictment says. Um, and you know, I, I, you kind of feel like everything that smart that could be said about this has already been said, and a lot of stuff that's not so smart. So I guess we'll find out more tomorrow. The one thing I would say, and and I know you're not hesitant to to disagree, is that if in the span of the scope of things that are happening in New York, uh, between the forty thousand illegals here that are uh, taking over our hotel rooms and now our streets. And then you see the crime up 25 percent over the last year, over the last uh, three years, 44 percent. When you see what's going on to go back and go go after the former president when you worshipped him when he was uh, uh, hosting The Apprentice and he was a celebrity that people liked. Now, all of a sudden, you got to go back and you got to dig all this stuff up. To me, this just seems like especially when you ran on it. You run on pure politics. And if it isn't politics, oops, you ran on it. Yeah, that's true. He did. And the thing reeks of politics. There's no doubt about that. Anybody can see it. Um, the people who hate Trump are, are, are you know, taking pleasure and satisfaction in this because anything that embarrasses or otherwise makes life uncomfortable for, for Donald Trump, they're for it. And never mind the, the legal niceties of it. Uh, and the people who love Trump uh, look at this and they say, our man is being victimized yet again by the same establishment politicians uh, that came after him before on Russia collusion and all the rest of it. So everybody's at battle stations about this. But I think it'll be, it's likely to be frozen for a while. What concerns me, Brian, is this. You, you cited 
the crime situation in New York. The prosecutors all across the country are leaving uh, lesser crimes, including gun possession, that they always say they want laws to stop, uh, unprosecuted. And you see the situation at the border. You see the international situation that you talked about um, most recently made conspicuous by the, the Chinese balloon and what intelligence it may have gathered. You see the situation with the economy, with inflation and the rest of it. And you look at all this, and then you look and you say, well, what we need is stronger, better leadership. And it appears at the moment to a great many people that what we're going to get is Biden versus Trump. Really? Is that what the American political system is going to provide the, uh, as a choice for the voters? I think a great many people in both parties are pretty depressed about that possibility. I do, but I, I will say, I, you know, in my, in, right in my backyard, 20 minutes from my house, Governor DeSantis spoke. So I went down there uh, just to watch. And even though there's some Trump people that are upset at him, for the most part, he's got a lot of momentum, and he's a very good speaker. He's going to be very – he is not going to be intimidated, just my humble opinion. So I think he'll, he'll, be in, he'll be competing, and I think it's going to make it official in a month. So you might have something to say about that. But I want to bring you to the Washington Post story, the lead story about the Mar-a-Lago and documents. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but the detail, Brit, is striking. They talk about a valet moving papers after they had come by and Trump personally instructing and asking lawyers how not to give back paperwork in great detail. This is Jack Smith's investigation. I asked Jim Trusty about it. He says, I can tell you right now, a lot of it, he told me off the air, too. A lot of it is not true. I can't believe the detail, but that's what they're dealing with. Have we heard any leaks about the Joe Biden, uh, My the documents were by my Corvette? Di- uh, problem? Have no, that's, heard- just, no, that's just disappeared from the headlines. It's disappeared. Um, you know, that's not a story that news media members want to This cover. is going to be a big. Jack they Smith is going to be relentless. It's something that, you know, this never used to happen when a story of some dimensions would come along um, that one news outlet or another uh, got their hands on. Others would follow up. Uh, in this day and age, it's a very different situation. A legitimate story will come along, and the rest of the media particularly if it comes from a conservative-leaning outlet, the rest of the media will just ignore it, pretend it never happened, not follow it up. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a whole different landscape from the way it used to be, so and to- it's not better. I agree. Um, this Chinese spy balloon story, you know, you knew there was something more to it. And now we find out, uh, according to NBC, the Chinese spy balloon gathered intelligence for over a week through almost sensitive sites, coming, going back and forth, doing figure eights, in real time sending intelligence back to China. They told us just the opposite. We have Admiral Kirby saying there on the national shows on Sunday, saying there was, it was a benign balloon that went off course, yet it was being steered and controlled. And now we find out this. What's your reaction? Well, it's disturbing, isn't it? Um, what we don't know really is how much sensitive intelligence can be gathered from the air. Um, that's that's a, and that affords some hope that it may be simply have been technically impossible for them to get anything of any really really great value, but that's not the kind of thing we should have to rely on. Um, you know, hope they didn't do it very well. Uh, the fact is, they felt free to do it. They did it, um, and to a great extent, they pulled it off, even though the thing was eventually shot down. Absolutely. So uh, let, let's talk about what happened with the Wall Street Journal reporter. He looks like he was captured. He used to. He's got a Russian heritage. 
He used to write for the Moscow Times, used to write for the New York Times. The Wall Street Journal hires him in 2022. He writes a devastating story, factual story, it seems, about the real state of the Russian economy. And he's captured and charged as a spy the next day. Uh, So here's Susan. Uh, I want you to hear what Mark Short said that we should be doing as administration. Cut 25. I feel like I applaud the Biden administration for their stand with the Ukrainian people. But the reality is the Biden administration has been weak from day one. They've emboldened Russia. They started the very first issue they did was to approve Nord Stream 2. I think that Vladimir Putin saw the surrender and withdrawal in Afghanistan. It emboldened him. And as you said, I'm glad we got Brittany Griner back. But to exchange for a known terrorist, I think, has only encouraged Putin to do this more. And this is not something that's unique to, to him. It's what despots do across the globe is to jail journalists. We need to have a much stronger reaction. We should be kicking out all diplomats from Russia today. We should be sending their ambassador back today. It shouldn't be waiting. We gave a strong statement demanding access. How should we handle it, Britt? Well, one thing that seems clear, and that is that this is the kind of thing that Vladimir Putin does and has done for some time. So he, you know, there's a, yet another hostage has been there for years under some you know, overwhelmingly likely bogus charge. Uh, this is what uh, uh, dictatorships do. And in the end, what normally happens is there'll be a, a swap and some legitimate, legitimately held prisoner in the United States will be exchanged for some illegitimately held one in Russia or China, wherever it happens, particularly Russia. So I think that's where we're probably headed with this. But how long it will take, I don't know. And, of course, it's painful to watch because you consider the agony of the person being held and the agony of his family or her family, as the case may be. And, uh, and that's, where, that's where we are, and that's where it usually goes. You know, they say they haven't taken a journalist since '86. Uh, they have a Marine that they charged as a spy. They had a basketball player that they said violated their drug policy. But I think it's pretty astounding. I just think with these with these uh, ruthless dictators, they only understand strength. And I, I think about what, what uh, is going on in Syria. We have 900 people there who are getting shelled 74 times over the last, since 2021. And the last time we lost a guy, we responded once and they responded back again. These are... Iranian drones shooting at us. I'm wondering, when are we going to show any of the muscle that we're paying for? Well, that's a good question. And there's also, Brian, the question of whether the muscle we have is sufficient. Um, you know, there's widespread criticism of this defense budget as when you, as being one in which once you take in place into effect is a cut in defense spending. Look, defense spending is, can be wasteful, often is. Uh, you're used, frequently you're developing new weapon systems and so on, never been tried before. Cost overruns are rampant. They always have been. I, I suspect they always will be. But sometimes you simply have to pony up the money, build up your defenses, uh, and and do what needs to be done. And if you don't do that, uh, the, the Iranians, the Russians, the Chinese, and other enemies will get the message and act accordingly. Lastly, this is something that's really going to test you. Eric Schmidt of Google Talked about the dangers of AI like Elon Musk and uh, one of its creators, Sam Altman. And here's what he said yesterday on ABC Cut 34. Well, historically, there have been a couple of moments uh, after the nuclear age, after the uh, recombinant DNA age. uh, The scientists and the political leaders came together with appropriate restrictions. This is the time for the people in my industry, the government, economists, philosophers to understand this. What happened with social media is we, including myself, 
just offered social media because we had a simple model of how humans would use social media. But instead, look at how social media was used to interfere in elections, to cause harm. People have died over social media. No one meant that as the goal, and yet it happened. How do we prevent that with this technology? It's, it seems that the smartest people amongst us, Britt, are, are worried. And what do you think we should be doing? Well, I'm not an expert on this, uh, Brian, but I, you know, I'm always a little wary when people say, "Well, we need to, we need more, more regulation." That that's how we're going to solve this. We got to, we got to come together and 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 create proper safeguards against the, you know, the the free use of this new technology. Well, maybe that's the right thing to do, but but I'm always careful to sort of keep a close eye when somebody says let's let's further regulate because that's always going to be the solution. And you're talking about the smartest people, Brian. Well, you may be right about that. Maybe they are the smartest people, but look what a mess the smartest people supposedly made of our COVID response. Experts. That's a good point. Be careful about experts. All right. That's a good, that's a life lesson too. Uh, Britt, but I could be booking you or AI Britt, artificial intelligence Britt. Well, Britt's not Did available. Did you see the story about Jonathan Turley, our, our friend and Fox News contributor? He was accused by some AI uh, process of, uh, of uh, sexually harassing a woman Somebody he'd never heard of at a co- said it would happen at a college where he never taught. Um, it's BS. So you wonder how could this happen? What 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 algorithm produced that nonsense? So. Yeah, you're hitting me with something for the first time. I did not know any of that, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's the danger. Uh, I mean, I would think that uh, I just think if we could just they say if you could pause it just for a little and set up some guardrails. I would, you know, get your list in there to watch it. Using it. It's crazy. Uh, we'll see. Um, Brad Hume, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Always good to talk to you. You got it. one 408 I'm going to take some more of your calls. Man, we have a lot to discuss. Whether it's downtown New York City or uh, the next age, the uh, AI age, uh, I'm open to it all. Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day. On the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. There's absolutely no indication that this is in some way manipulated or controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. We just found that that to be a complete fabrication. Milton Mueller is a professor of cybersecurity and public policy at Georgia Tech. He studied the theory that TikTok's algorithms attempt to influence ideology. You can find information about Uyghur repression. You can find information that ridicules Xi Jinping. It's all there. In the heat of the battle, both TikTok execs and Congress members sometimes stretch the truth. Take, for example, this business of data collection. TikTok collects nearly every data point imaginable. Do we know what data is being collected? There have been three technical studies done of this, and they basically all say it is exactly what they tell you what it is in their privacy statement. Like every social media app, TikTok collects data like your phone model, its internet address, and your time zone. Unlike other apps, TikTok does not know your name or your GPS location. It knows only your general area, like the town you're in. Really? I doubt that. I'm sure they could, uh, geo if they could do that with a balloon, find out exactly where military sites are and do electronics. Here's the deal. 
we are now we're ba- basically at loggerheads with China on everything. Let somebody else go through this. Let somebody else innovate this. We have to take TikTok down. It's a spying device by almost all means necessary. And the same way they're flooding our border by the thousands Chinese nationals, we have to wise up and understand what we're up against. So for some reason, we're reluctant to do it. This administration and Rand Paul thinks you're going to alienate young people by watching their back. I don't see it. All right, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back in a moment. Andy McCarthy breaks down the legal case facing the president and others down the road. Don't move. show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Do you expect this to be a speaking indictment, uh, essentially laying out the facts in some detail when we finally get it unsealed? I, I would anticipate, although I obviously don't know, that it would be a speaking indictment. And our, our office, when I was district attorney, used speaking indictments uh, appropriately, I think, in order to explain the background facts uh, that lead up to the specific charges in the indictment. I think it's a mechanism by which uh, the public official can explain in a public and legitimate way uh, why the case is being brought and what evidence, uh, generally speaking, can be anticipated during the trial. Well, that is uh, Cyrus Vance Jr. who decided not to send this case up, but it's now going up and he does not know what's in the indictment. We're about to find out soon. Joining us now is Andy McCarthy, Fox News contributor, former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and best-selling author. Uh, Andy, do you expect this to be a speaking in, uh, a speaking indictment? Yeah, I do. Um, and just so people understand what that means, the, <clears throat> the due process rules, Brian, are – well, let me back up. The purpose of an indictment is to put the accused on notice of exactly what the charges are um, – and it's also got uh, a, a sort of a double jeopardy component to it. Like once the charge is stated in an indictment, that's, you know, you can't be prosecuted for it a second time. Um, so that's the importance of an indictment. So the law says in order to give the defendant adequate notice, you really only have to have a bare bones recitation of what the crime is. And what I mean is a lot of very short indictments can say, you know, X person unlawfully, intentionally, and knowingly, uh, you know, uh, conspired in violation of 18 U.S.C. 371, and the law will say that's enough. But prosecutors like in an indictment, they like to use an indictment offensively to describe in elaborate detail in a narrative form uh, what the story of the case is, and the, and the story is kind of the framework in which you, you – Put the charges, and the reason for that, the most important reason of it, uh, is at the end of a trial, usually the indictment will go back to the jury room during deliberations, um, and it's a, you know, some prosecutors refer to the indictment as the roadmap to conviction because if you lay out the story in gory detail and the jury is convinced that you've proved the things that you allege, then uh, the indictment can be a, a 
good way for the jury to organize their deliberations if they're going to convict. So, so Cy Vance uh, speaking out now, he seemed, he doesn't know, ha- have a lot of answers, but here's how he explained why he didn't charge. Cut seven. Why didn't you charge the hush money case? Why didn't you ever charge it in 2018, 2019, 2020? Uh, well, Chuck, I don't want to get into the deliberations that might be covered by grand jury material, but it's, uh, but uh, as I believe you know, uh, I was asked by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District to stand down uh, on our investigation, which had commenced involving the Trump Organization. And as, you know, as, as someone who respects that office a great deal and, and believing that they may have perhaps the best laws uh, to investigate, I did so. Uh, and I was somewhat surprised after uh, Mr. Cohen pleaded guilty uh, that the federal government did not proceed on, uh, on the areas in which it asked me to stand down. Do you remember the same way? Well, you know, here's the part of the story he's not telling, Brian. Um, It's not like he was doing the Southern District a favor. The way that the law works uh, in New York State, uh, unlike many states, New York State has a provision in its Constitution, which is kind of known as equitable double jeopardy. Um, Most in most, because we have a dual sovereignty system, meaning the feds and the states are sovereign, if the federal government prosecutes, that doesn't stop a state from prosecuting, even if it's the same crime or the same uh, criminal transaction. New York's constitution has broader double jeopardy protection. And what it says is basically if, if another sovereign prosecutes any part of the criminal transaction, New York can't go forward. So whenever we had a turf battle, when I was in the Southern District of New York, the federal prosecutor's office, whenever we had a turf battle with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, we could always win because once we charged, they were jeopardied out under the state constitution. So, you know, to the extent that Vance is suggesting that, uh, you know, he was doing the feds a big favor by standing down, uh, the fact is if they decided to go forward, that would have canceled his case out anyway. Um, but they didn't. And the only other thing, I, yeah, they didn't go forward. But I would I would point out to people who say, you know, that was the Trump Justice Department, that uh, this is late breaking news. So I think everybody should th- sit down for this. But since January 20th, 2021, the Justice Department has been under new management. Um, you know, the Biden Justice Department yep. has been up and running for 27 months. They didn't bring this case either. And it's not like they're not trying to make a case against Trump. What what do you hear about? Is it true that mugshots aren't usually sent out in New York? Correct. They're not supposed to be. Uh, now, you know, the other thing, Brian, is we're not supposed to know that Trump's indicted because it's under seal, right? It doesn't get unsealed until he gets arraigned, and yet we know, right? So as we know, things get leaked that aren't supposed to get leaked, and uh, it's entirely possible that a mugshot of the former president will get leaked. I hope that doesn't happen because it's not supposed to happen, but we'll see what happens. Your view on a gag order being evidently there's the report there's going to be a gag order on the case. If it does happen and and what's the ramification? Yeah, I don't think that uh, a judge has the authority to gag the president or the former president. I think he's got the authority to gag the lawyers in the case. I don't think he should. But I think he's got the authority to gag the lawyers of the case because they're members of the bar and they're subject to disciplinary rules uh, and they have, uh, you know, fealty to the to the court that that the litigants don't like the uh, the parties to the case. So 
I, I do think, Brian, the whole question of this gag order um, <clears throat> goes to show that we're in such uncharted territory that every day there's going to be something about this that challenges our uh, political system and our legal system. And it's why um, a number of us have said you should never indict somebody who is a, a, certainly a current candidate, serious candidate for a high public office, particularly the presidency, unless it's a very serious crime where you have very convincing evidence, because we shouldn't put the electoral system through something like this unless it's for a really serious right. crime. And when I hear people say, but no one's above the law, uh, my response to that is Prosecutors don't prosecute every single case that they could get a conviction on. We don't prosecute every offense of law. There's prosecutorial discretion, and we don't prosecute a lot of cases where crimes get committed. Bragg, in particular, doesn't does do not anything. Prosecute a lot of cases where crimes. So this idea that Trump must be prosecuted if there's a, I don't think there happens to be a violation of law in this case, but um, you know, there's a lot of good reasons not to go forward with a prosecution, even in cases where you can prove a criminal violation. And prosecutors right. do that every single day. Exactly. Uh, so we'll see. In the indictment, uh, they say he'll. Uh, it's been leaked. They'll fa- if it's true. Uh, they'll face at least one felony charge of falsifying business records. It could only be a felony if Bragg can't show it was intent to defraud. Uh, if not, if not, a misdemeanor faces dozens of charges stemming from alleged hush money of Stormy Daniels yeah. and Playboy model Karen McDougal in the lead up to the election. OK, I, I, I don't think that's exactly right. So here's here's what I think is right. Even with the misdemeanor, he has to show intent to defraud. So, in other words, what that means is even if the prosecutor can show that the Trump business records are false. And they'll probably be able to show that because I think what we understand here is that um, things were represented in the books as if it was payment of legal fees when in fact it was payment of a debt in, in the Stormy Daniels case in particular of, you know, Cohen lays out the 130,000 and then they reimburse it, right? So to the extent the records show that it, say that it's you know payment of ongoing legal fees, uh, they'll have a good case that that's not what it was. But merely having the records be false is not enough. The statute says that in addition to falsity, you have to show that the defendant had an intent to defraud. Uh, and what it, there's going to be a lot of argument, I'm sure, between the parties about what that means. The government's going to try to say it should be any deceptive. Uh, practice. But what the defense is going to say is defraud means what it means in common sense, which is that you try to basically swindle somebody out of money or property or swindle the state. And here, what Trump is going to argue is that this is completely negligible, that that these were his own records. He obviously didn't defraud his company. He didn't defraud the state. There's no allegation. Or the banks. Here. Or the banks. There's a, look, if this had been a fraud prosecution, the feds would never have given it up. They would have they would have run with it. You know. So, so how about how about the fact that he you know, obviously the president came out and tweeted out or used Truth Social to say the judge the judge hates me is the same person who railroaded my seventy five year old CFO Alan Weisenberger, the same one that, that um that went after Steve Bannon for building that wall on his own, the same one that uh that stood over his civil case 
which he lost, uh, or he had to pay over a million dollars in fines. Does he have a right to say that? Was it wise for him to do it? Was it smarter for Takapina to say I have no problem with the judge? Yeah, he's got a he's got a First Amendment right. Trump does uh, to say what he wants to say about the judge as long as he doesn't incite violence. It's very stupid for him to do um, because if this is the judge who's going to preside on the case, um, he's obviously going to rub the court the wrong way. And I would get the other news I'd have for him is that even if this is not the judge who's going to preside the, on the case, the next judge is not going to like this any more than this judge does. So it's it's a dumb thing for him to do. And Takapina is a very good defense lawyer. So he's not only a very good defense lawyer, he's a good defense lawyer who will probably have to appear before this judge in other cases. So uh, it's it makes perfect sense for him to try <laughs> to mitigate the damage by saying he doesn't have a problem with the judge. I don't even know, Brian, if. Trump is right that this is going to be the judge. But, you know, Takapina, I hope he got a high fee because he's got a client who he's not going to be able to control. So, so that's the one um, thing I thought for – that's why I think in a way, Andy, might it be good to get a gag order and say, I can't talk specifically about the case, but you guys know how they're coming after me. That's not a violation of the gag order. He stops boring people with details of a case when he goes to his public appearances. His lawyers – no longer have to worry about what he's going to say because he knows the court's going to be the one to find him or jail him. So might it work to his benefit to get gagged? Well, I guess, it, it, you know, you could make an argument for that in the, in, a, in the narrow way as it applies to this case. The problem is that in terms of Trump's presidential campaign and his campaign for the Republican nomination, his pitch to the voter is that he is being persecuted by the Democrats. And that they are using, exploiting the law enforcement apparatus of the government in a highly partisan way to go after their political nemesis because they think he can beat them. Uh, and to the extent that the judge's gag order would inhibit him in making that argument, wow. uh, I think it would be unconstitutional. But even though you might be right, in terms of prudence, it would be smart for Trump to rein it in, at least as far as this judge is concerned. But. Right. Um, I will say this. I want to bring you to the Washington Post story real quick. And it goes in great detail about obstruction, the obstruction case. They talk about Walt Walt Nada, who told investigators he was a valet for the president, that that he moved boxes at Mar-a-Lago at the former president's uh, instruction. They already talked to his lawyer. Did he do something behind your back? Did he ask you to do something knowingly? They go into great detail as if Jack Smith wrote this himself. They're trying to, in my humble opinion— they're trying to show what an obstruction is and why he's going to get charged and not Joe Biden, because Joe Biden cooperated. That seems to me the objective of this. Did you read it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I've been saying, Brian, since the uh, Biden allegations came to light that we learned that Biden has basically committed the same crime that Trump is being investigated for, um, this uh, hoarding of classified documents, that on a dime – what would happen is the Justice Department would reframe and the, and the media Democrat complex will go right along, but they would reframe the documents retention case as a grand jury obstruction case and argue that that's, what set, that's the difference between the Trump and the Biden situation, that Biden completely cooperated, but Trump tried to cover up what he was doing from the, uh, from the FBI and the grand jury. I don't know if it's going to work, but it might work. 
um, you know, Smith is a Smith is a good prosecutor. I'm not stunned. I mean, anybody wants to know what's going on in a Democratic Justice Department, including a Democratic appointed special counsel. You know, read the Washington Post. They they notoriously have, you know, very good hooks in the in the Justice Department. And um, you know, I, I I always found when I was a prosecutor in New York uh, that that's they seemed to know an awful lot of what was going on in Washington. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing because I saw Senator Warner come out and say we know nothing about the intelligent, the documents that both President Biden, Vice President Pence, and President Trump took. We know nothing. So they're not even briefing Congress on how much, if any, damage was done. Final thought on that? Yeah, I think if Warner wants to know what's going on in the government, maybe he should subscribe to the Washington Post. <laughs> it's so insulting, right? It's so insulting. Be an elected official and tell you the Intelligence Committee, and you got to read the Washington Post, but you're 100% yeah. right. Andy, exciting time. Thanks so much for the quality uh, uh, for the quality analysis, and I will pay you at the end. As soon as we find out about this indictment, then I'm going to write you the check, okay? It sounds, it sounds like wimpy, right? <laughs> you know, a hamburger. And I'll pay you on Tuesday. Next Tuesday. <laughs> Right. Andy, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. All right, Andy McCarthy. Uh, back in a moment, I will squeeze in some calls. I know I see the lines. You have a lot to say. Don't move. Brian, kill me, Chair. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, I'll, t- I'll try to squeeze in some calls, but I went a little long with the uh, in the other break over there. Uh, the other big story is they're taking the Wall Street Journal reporter. The guy's 31 years old. He's uh, He's got Russian heritage. He loved Moscow, wrote for the Moscow Times. Believe it or not, I love Russia. I can't believe it. Worked for the New York Times. Then took a job at the Wall Street Journal to go back there. He writes a big story about how the, how the Russian economy is cratering. It's real detailed. I took a ton of notes on it. Next thing you know, he's captured. They said he's spying. Here's Susan Page, cut 23. Well, let's see what he what he does. A real test for Biden and terrible news, not just uh, uh, for the United States, terrible news for the for the world. When Evan is guilty of committing journalism, Mm -hmm. Uh, that should not be a crime. It should not land you in a Russian gulag. Putin trying to get, I guess, leverage with the United States. We'll see how President Biden reacts to that. Tough thing. You know, the situations are horrifically tough for for leaders, but this is outrageous, and it's a return to the kind of Cold War politics that we haven't seen since then, the seizing of journalists by Russia. Yeah. And it's Evan Gerskovich. Uh, he's a 31-year-old Wall Street Journal, and I just think administration's got to be a lot tougher than getting on a phone call. How about kicking out, possibly kicking out their journalists? I hear the argument, let's not go to their level, but how about this? Goodbye, Ambassador. You're out of here. You're probably spying anyway. We'll forget diplomatic relations. You keep taking our people. You keep Paul Whelan in prison. You're going to hold on to the basketball player unless we got, gave up Victor Boot, and now you're doing it again. Oh, good news is their, their blogger, that pro-Russian blogger, Ukraine blogger, at least he's dead. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. we got a huge hour coming your way. Michael Goodwin standing by. Uh, if you want a perspective on how New York's going to be turn- turned upside down, or might not be, as uh, President Trump comes back into town tonight in Uptown to Midtown and then goes downtown tomorrow, 
which will walk down the 15th floor and be fingerprinted. We'll discuss that. We're also following this other story, and Mike Emanuel will be here. Uh, he'll be joining us, too, because he's been reporting on it. Uh, NBC reports that that Chinese balloon was not only not benign, as they told us, was collecting intelligence the entire time. It was overall our military installation, uh, transversing the entire United States of America before we shot it down, doing figure eights over military bases. Do you believe this? Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Uh, that is Roger Zakheim of the Reagan Institute. While we were distracted with the Trump, uh, with the Trump drama, China's in a massive movement to displace our power and influence in every continent, including our own. What they're doing, what they're up to, and what their plan is, as the Taiwanese president uh, plans on meeting with Speaker McCarthy this week. For every minute, every day that Republicans are focused on Trump and what's happening with these charges, they're not talking about Joe Biden. Do they want to be able to focus there? And as long as Trump is in the picture, it's so hard for them to move in that direction. Julie Pace, how does the Trump indictment and perhaps three more uh, indictments do to Trump's campaign? What does it do for his candidacy? He's got a surgeon domer uh, and donors dominating the news cycle and the polls. But how long can it all last? We'll discuss it. It's actually Bragg. He's the one that has essentially weighed into the federal arena. And the real danger of this thing over the long term isn't so much narrowed to Trump. It's that now we have thousands of DAs around the country. Now that the Rubicon has been crossed, can find some state law they want to pursue the person on it. Yeah, that's Bill Barr says expect a wild 24 hours as the 45th president is arraigned in downtown New York. We'll find out the charges that have threatened to divide this country and the Republican Party like we have not seen in over 100 years. We'll have the details. Michael Goodwin knows all about this. Um, He's talked about that in his column on Sunday, especially brawls in your court. Uh, Dems anti-Trump bias paves way for partisanship. Michael, you don't even with any surprise in the indictment, you still think this is the wrong path to go down, right? Uh, Good morning, Brian. Absolutely. Look, I think that uh, would 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 a person who did these things uh, be indicted if it weren't Donald Trump? I mean, you're you're taking what is probably a fairly common thing in the world. Uh, of of hush money of one kind or another, and you're saying it's a federal crime because of the campaign fine. I mean, we don't know yet what he's saying, but you wouldn't even look at if this were another corporate leader, a, a self-employed business owner. Would you really go after this case? If I mean, the victim didn't make a complaint. Stormy Daniels didn't come and say this was a crime, right? The the this, the uh, Federal Election Commission said no. Federal prosecutors said no. So it, it just smells that that Donald Trump is being singled out because he's Donald Trump, because he was president, because he's a candidate for president. I, I mean, all of these things. There's just too much weight that says. This is done for the yep. wrong reasons, and therefore it is a political prosecution that I think must be addressed politically. I want you to is, hear what Cy Vance said yesterday on Meet the Press. He says politics didn't play a role. Remember, he was the DA before. Cut nine. For those who think this is about politics, I think it's important to remind folks that the review of uh, the president's objections to our 
seeking his tax and other financial records were reviewed by two separate district courts, two separate courts of appeal, and twice by the United States Supreme Court, all of whom found no evidence that politics was motivating our actions. Oh, exactly. Now I feel better. Yeah, I mean, that's a non sequitur, right? That's not, that, that's not the role. That's not the issue uh, in those kinds of motions. This is, this is about whether to prosecute. This is the judgment. I mean, there, was there anything in those taxes that, that led to these charges? There's no indication of that. So, look, uh, Cy Vance uh, is, is a classic far leftist. I mean, he was a terrible district attorney himself. He's the one who initiated a lot of these uh, don't prosecute fair beaters, don't prosecute men who urinate in the streets and things like that. He was very much, I mean, I told him the first time I ever met him, I said, you should not be a prosecutor, you should be a social worker. You're, you know, that's what he wants to be, is one of these reformers. But you don't do that by refusing to prosecute the laws. That's the kind of DA he was. And so for him to sort of give Alvin Bragg his blessing on this case, Vance brought the case, but he never prosecuted it. That's an interesting question. You know, why didn't you prosecute it? Yeah, he left it. For, he left it for Alvin Bragg. Yeah, listen to what he said to that uh, to that question. He was asked that to, to Chuck Todd's credit. Cut eight. Why didn't you charge the hush money case? Why didn't you ever charge it in 2018, 2019, 2020? Uh, well, Chuck, I don't want to get into the deliberations that might be covered by grand jury material, but it's uh, but uh, as I believe you know, uh, I was asked by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District to stand down uh, on our investigation, which had commenced involving the Trump organization. So he said he would have to stand down in the Southern District of New York and how much they love Trump. They didn't prosecute it either. Right. I mean, that's the whole point. Other prosecutors passed on this. Why would the district attorney, which, had, which has to reach, uh, you know, across years to, con- to create something because of statute of limitations, why would a district attorney care about this except it's Donald Trump? I mean, so you can, you can hide behind the fact that this might be within your purview and you might be able to do it, you know, with X, Y, Z jumping through hoops. But ultimately, you're only doing it because it's Donald Trump. I mean, that's that's the argument. And now that the case has actually been brought, I think that is going to be part of the argument that the Trump defense is going to use that you. How many times have you ever prosecuted this kind of case before? How many other defendants have faced this kind of investigation? I mean, a lot of this, Brian, frankly, is is torturing Trump financially. It is enormously expensive to hire lawyers for all of these kinds of cases. I mean, many lawyers today, I don't know if people uh, understand what's going on in the New York legal community. It is not unusual for lawyers to charge thousands of dollars per hour, per hour of a case. And they will have assistants charging five and six and $700 an hour. So you, these things, the, the money adds up very, very, very quickly. And for most defendants, they can't afford it. For, oh, for Donald Trump, let's bankrupt him. 
I mean, that is clearly part of it. Let's torture him. Let's humiliate him. Yeah. I don't know if the $5 million he raised in 24 hours, he can be used any for, for that. I'm very curious to see if, he, right. if he's defending right. it. But I want to ask you, did you see the Washington Post story? How they have all this proof of obstruction, great detail, and a valet has already testified to this that's still working for him uh, and saying all these things about uh, he moved documents after they told him and he knowingly uh, kept them from investigators and from uh, even since they came into the house. So you go into great detail as if Jack Smith read the whole thing to the Washington Post reporter. So if you think this case is bad, and it is, do you think the other cases are going to trip him up? And do you expect three more indictments? Well, look, I think the, you know, as I wrote about yesterday, just consider the contrast between the Trump document, classified document case, and the Biden classified document case. Have you heard a single word? Nothing. That's right. Nothing about the Biden case, but leaks like this on the Trump case, right? The Mar-a-Lago raid. I mean, on the Biden, let's ask Joe Biden's lawyers to conduct the search themselves, right? I mean, the the disparity in treatment here, I think, is is a major test for our legal system, Brian. I mean, we know the political system fails it because the, poli- the political system is only one thing. It's power. Right now, the Democrats have it. They have it in New York. They have it in Washington with the Justice Department. Right. And so they are using that power in a bare knuckle way. And I look I think this sort of stuff is playing with fire. I mean, I used it, uh, uh, Bill Barr used it, others have used the Rubicon analogy, right? But that's what it is, that you are going so far beyond what has been done before by prosecuting a former president, by prosecuting the current the leading Republican candidate for 2024, you are a Democrat, whether you're Cyrus Vance, Alvin Bragg, Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, right? Jack Smith, presumably, right? right? So if you're going to go down that road, Democrat versus Republican, taking taking over the justice system with your politics, then you can only expect one result, that the other side will do the same. And why shouldn't they? Why should Republicans stay quiet when the Bidens are the most corrupt family, perhaps, ever to inhabit the White House? And they're going to go after him. And they're going to go after him. I want you to hear, so what does it mean for 2024? Asa Hutchinson is now in, says that President Trump should drop out because for the good of the country. Chris Christie, who's a big critic of the president now, might be getting in, said this on ABC yesterday, Cut 16. What I hate about our conversations on this right now, George, are that you have to be in one camp or the other. It's not true. You can look at what Donald Trump's doing right now in terms of what he's saying about the grand jury and the judge and the whole system and say, that's wrong, and it undercuts our system, and he has no basis yet to say that, the same way he had no basis to say the election was stolen. But at the same time, you can say... But wait a second. Alvin Bragg, with everything that's going on in Manhattan from a crime perspective, you're really spending all this time and resources of your office on this? Is this really what was necessary? And it's not about giving Trump a pass. It's about, as a prosecutor, deciding what do you spend your resources on? Because they are limited. And what do you spend it on? So what are your thoughts on his analysis? I mean... Well, look, I think he's right, but I think at the same time, what you see in Stephanopoulos is why doesn't Stephanopoulos raise these issues? 
right? Why is he why is he taking the straight democratic line? And I think that's what's coming, Brian. We can, we can never forget that all of these issues when they are adjudicated in the public, the the shepherds uh, are the democratic mainstream media. And so these issues don't get aired fairly. There is no sort of on one hand, on the other hand. There's only the Democratic hand pushing all of this. That's why the Republicans are in such a position. The Democrats have skillfully and I would say immorally used their powers to try to create a one-party system. That's what they want, that there be no real opposition, that the opposition be there. But, but they are so talentless. My problem is they are talentless. Yeah, I mean, I know. They, there's Gavin Newsom is the terrible governor, awful mayor. But Joe Biden is out of it. He's been a terrible president performance. Just let that be the judge. And how and about Kamala Harris? Kamala right? Harris, the worst vice president, totally out of her league. And people in her own party realize it. Jared Polis, I don't know much about him. He seems to be a moderate in, in Colorado, hardly drools charisma. So good luck with that. You know, you go well, find that, somebody. But that is precisely the point, isn't it? They don't need a good candidate. They have the media. They have the law enforcement. They have the Justice Department. They have the DAs, right? They're all doing the dirty work. They're all playing politics. They should leave the politics to the party, to the presidential candidate. But they can't because Joe Biden has been sleepwalking through this. I mean, I have a very good friend who's very close historically to Biden. And he said, I call the White House and I say, why are, why are they doing this? Why are they appointing this person? Why is Joe doing this? And the answer is Joe's not doing it. So there's that question, who's actually president? Susan who's Rice? actually running the White House? Yeah. I don't think we know. I don't think, and certainly the New York Times is not interested in finding out. The Washington Post doesn't want to find out. They're happy with this facade that's being created. So this is, this is a challenging moment for Republicans. And I think Chris Christie said some of the right things here, but he's also got some self-interest in this, right? He wouldn't mind if Donald Trump's stepped aside, that would open the possible door for him. Oh, yeah. So every, everybody's got a little bit of bias here, and I think it's just a terrible time for the country. I yeah, that- I, and Saturday night, uh, I went and saw Ron DeSantis spoke. I chopped down for a little while. It's 15 minutes from my house. He was over at the, uh, the Aviation Museum and uh, Long Island, and there mm-hmm. were people screaming out during uh, for Trump, stand down Ron, get out of the way for Trump, but he still got a huge reception. Uh, and they and did go after the case, but did not mention Donald Trump's name. So they're all trying to figure out a way to be president, to run yep. and be successful and not alienate Trump. I don't know if it's possible. Fascinating time, Michael. We'll look forward to your response to what we see on Tuesday. All right. Thank you, Brian. You got it. Michael, Michael Goodwin, New York Post. one 408 Your call's next. Prosecutors are not above the law. If they don't like a law, 
then the appropriate thing to do is to resign your position and run for the legislature and try to change a law. You have no right to nullify the law, and they've put so many people at risk as a result of doing that. And that is a little of the speech that Governor DeSantis gave in Nassau County, Long Island, uh, right at the Aviation Museum, right around Hofstra University, Nassau Coliseum, in that place. And uh, the Republican Party is extremely happy to see him. He got a huge turnout. But there are Trump fans there. It was kind of was odd. Trump fans there screaming at him. Uh, not a lot. It was probably like five or ten. But outside, there were people with uh, big flags, Trump flags. And it's interesting because they most likely love Ron DeSantis. I guess they just don't want him to run right now. And DeSantis didn't come out and say anything, didn't mention President Trump's name, but just said these, this case is not real. Keep in mind, you're talking to a guy who went to Harvard Law. Yale undergrad, Harvard Law, understands the law. So really looks at this case and says there's nothing there. But now you look at a, a group, it includes Nikki Haley down at the border today, now Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy, and they're all uh, they're all saying, how do I get some airtime? And when they do get airtime, it's about Donald Trump. And it's frustrating. And that's what happened last time. But Trump is showing a resiliency and a loyalty that I've never seen in my lifetime. He is going to go through what he went through. He's landing today. He's going to go through what he goes through being arraigned and going to the 15th floor and getting his mugshot done and his fingerprints processed. And then he's going to go back to Mar-a-Lago about 8.15 tonight, gag order or not. He's going to give a big speech to about 500 people, and it's going to be game on. And we know this. He's raised about $5 million, 25% of which are new donors. He's gearing up for a, a battle. Um, you know, this is something that obviously we believe is a political persecution, and I think people on both sides of the aisle believe that. It's a complete abuse of power. Um, he's a tough guy, George, as you know, and he's someone who's going to be ready for this fight. Um, we're ready for this fight, and, and I look forward to moving this thing along as quickly as possible to exonerate him, um, despite what, what it seems to be doing in the polls. Uh, Joe Tagapina talking about the president's poll numbers, but also the indictment that's going to be 24 hours away. Let's put that on hold for a second. Some of the many great stories that are important are getting smothered and steamrolled by Trump, especially on other channels. Not here. Mike Emanuel over this breaking story that NBC News is reporting and we're expanding on that said that Chinese balloon was not some benign craft that we just were able to observe and take down. Mike, it was much more than that. He joins us right now from Washington, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, full credit to NBC for doing a good job on this one. Two senior U.S. officials, one former senior administration official, basically saying that the spy balloon was able to gather intelligence from several sensitive American military sites, despite the Biden administration's efforts to try to block it from doing so. So we've seen today kind of an effort by the Pentagon to say, well, we told you that this thing was able to maneuver, and you know, we told you it was going over some of these sites. But the question is how sensitive the information has been, um, NBC making it sound like they got some potentially damaging material and were able to send it back in real time to Beijing. Um, and I think Pentagon, that's important, Mike, what you just said. Here yeah. we are observing it, and we're watching it in real time send back intelligence to China. And we find out, as confirmed, they did have a self-destructive advice, a device. So if they wanted to blow up the balloon— 
They would have. But instead they right. said, okay, now that we're in America, let's find out all the information we can about America. Right. Flying over sensitive military facilities in places like North Dakota and Missouri and, and just floating all across the country until it was off the coast of the Carolinas on a Saturday and was shot down. But, um, you know, I think there's a there's a little bravado from some folks at the Pentagon right now saying, like, hell no, they didn't get the most sensitive information. But, um, you know, clearly the forensic people who have been studying the wreckage of the balloon um, at uh Quantico have been able to determine that it had the capability to transmit stuff real time. And, uh, you know, it was described in this NBC report as flying in a figure eight motion over some sensitive places. So, like, you know, okay, we didn't get the best shot the first time, so let's continue to circle over the area. And and you guys had the, the top Republican from the Senate Intelligence Committee, Marco Rubio, on this morning on TV. And, you know, he said there's a reason why these things fly. They fly over the country to collect signals intelligence. Part of it was a test to see if they could penetrate our airspace, but part of it was collecting intelligence in real time, video signals intelligence, still pictures fed back in real time. And so it's pretty damning and, and pretty alarming when you consider the aggressive behavior of China in so many ways these days. Uh, Mike Emanuel, our guest, he's, uh, he's covering the story for us about the balloon that transfixed the country and trans, uh, transversed this nation, taken out in South Carolina. So we just look weak, and I know, too, Marco Rubio indicated, too, hey, by the way, remember that other balloon that was coming up from south? Why was that taken down? Because we realized it. Then we took down a, a hobbyist balloon, uh, yep. which I think still, I think we own the balloon brigade, some type of money. I think it was a group of 13-year-olds. What an yeah. embarrassment that was, as you use, uh, I think, an F-16 to do it. So now China is able to get what they got. And the thing that bothers me most, Michael, is is Admiral Kirby was out there saying just the opposite. He's on the Sunday show saying it was a benign balloon that wasn't able to get anything. We were able to watch how they maneuvered. We got a lot from that. that and it turns out not to be the story. And he was just asked, uh, I should note, by a reporter doing a gaggle at the White House and wondering if you can confirm the reports that the Chinese spy balloon intercepted communications from sensitive military sites. And he said, no, I cannot confirm those reports. So uh, clearly not wanting to get into layout exactly what we know the Chinese got. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's embarrassing as hell because um, we watched this thing float across our country. And, uh, you know, it was not just out shooting the sites of the United States of America the great wonders of the U.S., it was going over these places, and it was directed by remote control from Beijing, and they got some stuff, and we don't know exactly how bad it was. Uh, NBC makes it sound like it was pretty damn bad, and uh, to their credit, you know, they've done some really good work on this balloon story. So, um, you know, we, we will continue to follow the story and continue to press the newsmakers and the policymakers for more information about it, but, um, yeah, it's, it's an embarrassing moment. Again. So John Ratcliffe weighed on this Sunday, former director of uh, national intelligence. Listen to what he said. He, the Chinese know the chaos that's going on here. Cut, cut 28. Well, China has said they're preparing for war. And, you know, I believe that if someone puts a sign in front of your face, uh, you should read that sign. And, uh, you know, China, Russia, Iran are all getting more aggressive uh, because of what they see is happening here and the undermining of, of democratic principles and an administration that won't stand up for those and then won't stand up for Americans and American interests abroad. And so we continue to be insulted uh, through incursions. 
you know, enemies shooting down our uh, military aircraft, uh, assaults on our airspace, spying on us, killing Americans through drugs and through COVID. And there has been zero response from this administration. Uh, you know, our adversaries are advancing around the globe and, and, uh, and our interest in prestige, uh, prestige is waning. That's a that's something you just have to observe. Do you see what Russia is doing? Grabbing the Wall Street Journal reporter. You see that mm-hmm. Iran is sending drones, uh, taking shots at our guys uh, in Syria, and you see yep. that uh, China is trying to make gains everywhere, uh, everywhere they can in our own hemisphere, in our ba- own backyard. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed this, Mike, as you've you've uh, been hosting your shows. Brian, we're arguing over pronouns in this country. We're arguing over you know ridiculous things. Um, and and China says like, okay, well these knuckleheads over there in the U.S. are are arguing over culture wars. Uh, we're going to take over the world. And so they're building islands in the South China Sea. They're building up their military as fast as they can. They're they are being very aggressive, as are the Russians, as are the Iranians. And like we better you know figure out exactly what's going on and pay attention because they don't want to be number two in the world. They want to be number one and have all of our kids speaking Chinese in our schools. Um, So it's really a wake-up call, I would think, for the United States of America, for Republicans, Democrats, everybody. Like, cut the nonsense and let's focus on what's really happening in the world. I know, and that's the candidate who's the next president has got to realize that. But here's the good thing, Mike, is that I actually think Republicans and Democrats agree on it we agree on the on on the comprehensive threat. We agree on the fight and the foe. So let's get together on it before they add another axis of evil. They got North Korea, Iran, China, mm-hmm. and Russia. It's time for us. The rest of the world realizes the threat before they start using their Belt and Road program to get all the other developing nations before they know it hit them. Uh, thanks so much, Mike Emanuel. Appreciate it. Pleasure, Brian. Have a good day. All right. And, and by the way, there's Steve Mosher, who's going to be probably a guest on later this week, did this story over the weekend about what China is doing with their Belt and Road program. And what they're doing is they're taking these developing nations, they build these great complexes, these great ports, these great airports. And when they can't afford to make the payment, they take them over. Failed states like Somalia, uh, narco states uh, like Djibouti, uh, Ecuador currently owes China $4.5 billion in unpaid loans. The sum includes billions of Chinese construction company responsible for Ecuador's uh, dismally faulty and corrupt uh, laden uh, plant. This uh, Coca-Cola, uh, this Coca-Cola Sinclair hydroelectric uh, plant is a mess, costs them $2.7 billion. They can't pay the loans. So China takes it and they extort Ecuador for influence in their government or for the actual structure in which they built. Did the same thing in Ghana, Tanzania, Zambia. In Pakistan, they have this relationship with Pakistan. They keep building the stuff. Pakistan can't take the payment, and they take it. They take it. They have estimated and they owe, they owe China right now $30 billion. Now, if China wants to influence Pakistan's government, don't you think they have the leverage? Of course they do. I mean, why these countries, not people, but countries, are allowing themselves to be extorted like this is insane. Cuba, the whole island, is now a surveillance state for China. We used to not like Russia's, the Soviet Union's presence. Now it's worse. A Chinese construction company is completing the biggest project, a modern container port in Santiago, Cuba. You know Cuba's not going to be with their oxen and their Corvairs are not going to be able to afford this. And now when they're not able to afford it, they'll just take it. And China will have a port 90 miles off the coast of Florida. 
How long are we going to let them creep up on us? We know about their influence in Venezuela. Now we know about their influence in Mexico. That explains the belligerent attitude the Mexicans have uh, towards us in many cases. And that is uh, that is the story. So listen, uh, we have a lot more to discuss. We are monitoring events in New York City. We are looking at President Trump's plane that right now stays in Palm Beach, Florida. But he's going to be flying in, going to Trump Tower, heavily guarded. Then he's going to be going down in the morning, downtown New York. He's going to go to the courthouse, go to the 15th floor. He's going to get electronically fingerprinted. He is going to get his mugshot done. And then we're going to find out what's in that indictment. A lot of people have been posturing and postulating about what's in it, but that's going to tell the story. And then you're going to see Attorney General Bragg go up there and tell everyone how bad this is and how little politics has to do with it. I'm not buying it. This is not an urgency. If you walk the cities of this, uh, the streets of this city, Philadelphia, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, you see homeless, you see crime, you see no punishment. And now you got to go dig up a seven-year-old crime, look back at a very successful organization that has built a lot and brought a lot of revenue to New York City, and now you got to go find a problem with your organization. I don't think any organization can withstand this. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. When we come back, I expand your mind and expand your new swath by letting you know there's more to know and a lot of great stories to know, intriguing stories to understand and to share. Keep it here. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Just want to do some. Uh, it's been great being able to talk to you about all the breaking news, but I realize there's so many other big stories that we're not getting to. It made me think, I wonder if maybe you should find out if there's more for you to know. More to know. The LSU Tigers, for the first time in school history, are national champions of women's basketball. The Tigers defeated Iowa 102-85. to It's really the story for Iowa, and they probably would have lost anyway, according to the experts, was the fouls. When you got the best player in the game, who Caitlin Clark, who had four fouls, and they called the tech. Uh, uh, the fourth foul was a T, which, which was very controversial in a game like this. You just wonder what these referees were thinking. Uh, one thing I thought was pretty bad is the lack of sportsmanship on some of these uh, LSU players. In front of uh, Caitlin Clark, she tried to ignore it. But to me, how you win really defines who you are, as well as how you lose. I just think sportsmanship is lost. A lot of people writing me saying, why didn't they stand? Why didn't they come out during the national anthem? I do not know if it was intentional or not. Uh, We'll have to see. Yeah, that's a speculation. There's been no no explanation given by LSU whatsoever. So people are speculating that it's possible it was a timing issue. They didn't. Realize. I hope so. Let's yeah. do we need another protest. Yeah. WWE and UFC have merged for a massive new company now forming twenty one billion dollars. It's evidently uh, worth. We're talking about Endeavor, the parent company of UFC, merging with Vince McMahon, who is executive chairman of the board with the new group, while Dana White will continue as president of UFC, and Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor, will be the head honcho of it all. So I guess Vince McMahon stays in charge, but doesn't have to worry about the financial burden? That's part of it, but he also apparently sent out an email that his son-in-law, Triple H, is still going to be head of day-to-day operations, and it's not going to be him but that, since he's still on now, he's allowed back. We'll see how long that'll last. The new company will be well-positioned to maximize the value of our combined media rights. All right, we'll see. Next. 
End of the road for Kevin Costner in Yellowstone. The Golden Globe winning actor is really upset. He doesn't have an ownership stake, I think, uh, of Taylor Sheridan, who is the creator of Yellowstone. He feels as though he is the MVP, and everybody says he is. He's leaving fans who paid $100 furious because they showed up at a Paley Fest expecting to see the star-studded Yellowstone cast on the Dolby Theater Saturday night, but they didn't because they couldn't get it together. It looks like he is going to be gone. Last month, Costner reportedly asked Paramount Network executives to let him spend only one week filming the second half of Yellowstone's fifth season. A spinoff series starring Matthew McConaughey is set to move forward, regardless if if Costner decides to stay with the series or not. Uh, It's a can't miss. It's too bad. I'm I'm sure that Costner is not acting like the spoiled guy. It's just not the way he does things. Yeah, it doesn't seem, because he's never, ever read anything in his old years that he's ever done I anything know. like this. Just the opposite. Meghan Markle's Archwell Foundation forked over more than $100,000 to Michelle Obama's former press chief, fueling speculation that she might run for some type of office. I mean, what else? Maybe she just wants better PR because it's been terrible, because people are sticking to the facts and her hypocrisy. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't know what office. Usually people line up in office, then they get a PR then person. Then they go, yeah, it's probably just, I think you hit it on the head. It's just a matter of getting better PR. McDonald's is temporarily closing its U.S. offices this week as it prepares to inform corporate employees about layoffs undertaken by uh, by the fast food giant, part of a broader company restructuring. Uh, during the week of April 3rd, we'll communicate key decisions related to roles and staffing levels according to the organization. That went out to everybody. The Burger Corporation did not disclose how many employees is planning to lay off. Not good news. As part of updating plans, McDonald's will also accelerate the pace of its restaurant openings and say it may test more new concepts. Do you go to McDonald's? I haven't been to, I've been to a McDonald's probably three years plus now. Next. Margaret Mitchell's 1936 novel, Gone with the Wind, will now come with a trigger warning in an essay after it was deemed harmful by its publishers. The editions will acknowledge the Civil War classic whose adaption swept the 1940 Oscars is problematic, claiming the book adds to the romanticizing of a shocking era in our history and horrors of slavery. To me, I just think this is insane because what you do is... That means don't do emancipation. That means uh, forget about doing the bringing back the 1976 series Roots. Forget about um, uh, f- four years of slave for whatever it was, uh, eight years of slave, whatever, 12 years of slave, eight, 12, whatever. Forget about all that because it brings up bad feelings about what's going on in that era at that time. This all started, if you remember, I think it was during the pandemic. HBO Max started the bowl rolling where they put a warning before being able to watch the movie. So if you had HBO Max and you wanted to watch the movie, you were forced to sit through people explaining why this movie's bad. Best comedians of all time. Top five-years performers, according to critics. Um, We'll put a swoosh in there now, Josh. Go ahead, put a swoosh in. Uh, Richard Pryor is number one. Number two is George Carlin. Chris Rock, number three. Dave Chappelle and Robin Williams. I don't know. I got to watch it again. I don't know if Richard Pryor holds up. I watch a lot of it back, and I'm thinking, I don't know. product of his times, but he was very funny. I have to say, I don't know if I may How not agree. How could Seinfeld not be in there? Yeah, I, I, he's very funny. I mean, I would swap out a couple of them, but at least I could say all five of these comedians here all make me laugh. Next, best Major League Baseball players of all time, top uh, baseball legends, according to experts. Number five is Ty Cobb. Easy, I think his name has a lot to do with it. Number four, Barry Bonds, infamous, I should say. Number three, Hank Aaron, still does not get the credit he deserves. Willie Mays, uh, still alive and kicking in San Francisco. He was an all-around five-tool player. And Babe Ruth, simply because he's Babe Ruth. Bigger than life, right? 
not only bigger than life, but he was a dominant. I mean, he dominated both ends of it. Four years as a top pitcher, and then, of course, he did. He ushered in the home run era, which many people think hurt baseball. Now you know more. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Keep it here. The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.